you turn in your Bibles today to the Gospel of John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and we are continuing our study this morning about the I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ that he made, which are recorded in the Gospel of John, each of them denoting some particular area of Jesus' importance to us, especially as it relates to our relationship with the Almighty God. These statements obviously help us to understand better the identity and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, we've studied a couple of them, and this morning we make our way to John chapter 10, and in this chapter there's actually a couple of these I am statements of Jesus that are revealed to us. We'll study the first of those today, which is where Jesus says this, I am the door. I am the door. Now, all of us this morning used multiple doors getting to church, didn't we? When you left from your bed and you got up, you likely walked through the door of your bedroom, down a hallway, perhaps to another door, which inside was the bathroom, and you used those facilities. Perhaps later on, you used a couple of other doors in your house and eventually made your way to the exit or entrance door, the front door, or perhaps you left by the garage door at your house if you were fortunate enough not to have your garage full of junk so that you can actually park your car in it. When you got here to the church building, no doubt you came in one of the entrance doors of the church building. Perhaps you came in the main entrance, many of you probably did, and one of our ushers helped you by opening that door and you came in. We use doors every day of our life, all day long, and we understand exactly what they mean. Doors are important to us. They serve a purpose in our lives. They have a message that they communicate. A number of years ago, I was traveling. At the time, I was young, unmarried, and dumb. I thought that I needed to save money on that trip, and I probably did because I didn't have a lot of money and so that particular night, I was somewhere in either West Texas or Eastern New Mexico. I can't remember for sure exactly where I was, but I needed to stop for the night. And as I was driving, I saw an advertisement, a billboard, I guess, or a sign for a hotel that had rooms for $20. Now, this was probably 25 years ago, but even 25 years ago, you should have paid more than $20 for a hotel room. But I thought, it's just me. What do I really need other than a place to lay down and get some shut-eye and then get back on the road in the morning? So I stopped. Yes, I have a story about a $20 hotel. 
I paid my $20 cash in advance for my hotel room and was given a key. I'm not exactly sure why I was given a key because when I went to the room, the key didn't do much of anything, meaning the door did not lock. I wasn't sure what this meant, but I had already paid my $20 cash and I was determined not to pay more than that for the night. So I brought the things in that I would need from the car and I made myself comfortable and I thought I probably should do something about that door because a door that doesn't lock in a hotel that looks somewhat sketchy is probably not a great combination when you're asleep. So I applied my mind and I thought, I know what I'm going to do. And there was a little desk with a wooden chair sitting there. And I took the chair and I placed it under the door just like this. And I wedged it under the door handle and made it tight so that nobody could open that door. Pretty good idea. There was another door in that hotel room. And that other door opened to the office area where the night clerk was, which was interesting as well. But that door locked, so I felt better about that. I went to sleep, and a couple hours after falling asleep, I woke up and my room was filled with the smell of strong cigarette smoke. And I couldn't understand what was going on. But then as I woke up enough, I realized that the door that was shared between my room and the office where the front desk was had a gap under it, and whoever was at the front desk was smoking quite heavily. Now, I'm allergic to cigarette smoke. It makes me quite ill, and so I decided I needed to fortify that door as well. And I went to the bathroom and I found a towel and I stuffed it in there as best as I could and tried to keep the smoke in the office instead of in my room. In the morning, I woke up as early as possible and I got out of there as fast as I could. And I'm happy to say since that time, I have never spent $20 on a hotel room again. Although to be fair... My wife could tell you stories about other times that I got a deal staying at a hotel and regretted that I had paid in advance and that I had my family stay in that sort of a place. So I guess the moral of the story is if you're looking for a place to stay, don't ask me to pick it because I might pick more on price than on other things, although I'd like to think I've gotten wiser in my older years. Now you say, what does that have to do with today's message? Simply this, doors are important. Doors serve a function. And when a door is not suited to serve its function, it leaves you in a place of great insecurity. And actually, this whole statement about Jesus being the door is all about the security that we enjoy in a relationship with Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verse number 1, 
It's important to understand that this statement, I am the door, is spoken in the context of Jesus being the shepherd of the sheep, which is the next statement that we will deal with next week. John 10, verse 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. A door provides access or controls access to a place. A door is generally how we enter a building. It's how we get in and out of our car. It's how we go between one room or another room. Now, if you were to study about security and the securing of a property, you would learn that doors are very important. Most people assume that because a door has a lock and closes firmly that their house is secure, but nothing could be further from the truth. Actually, unless a door is especially fortified and designed for the purpose of withstanding someone trying to get through that door, most doors are very easily opened by a determined individual. A secured door is an important part of any security complex. When we speak about a door, we know that a door provides entrance And it is also supposed to keep out those that we do not want to enter. Now, Jesus, in the context of John 10, is talking about being the door of the sheep. And this is a very interesting application because in Bible days, a shepherd would take the sheep out to the pasture and in the area where the sheep would pasture, where they would eat, there would often be temporary sheep coats or folds where the sheep could be kept at night for their security. And the shepherd would bring the sheep into that place, which was enclosed and would keep the sheep from wandering away. And then in the entrance to that sheep coat, 
the shepherd would often lie down in the entrance, across the entrance, so that nothing could get in or out without crossing over the body of the shepherd. In this manner, the shepherd became the door. And Jesus says, I am the door of the sheep. Now, Jesus is clearly speaking about the fact that there is a need for us to have a relationship with God. And Jesus is the door that controls access to that true relationship with God. Now, this morning, I'd like you to think with me for just a few minutes about Jesus, who is the door. And a couple of very important lessons that we want to take away from this statement and this passage. First of all, would you understand with me this morning that it is imperative to enter in at the door? It is imperative that you enter in at the door. Now, this morning, as I was talking about doors, of course, most buildings that we're familiar with have many doors. Your house probably has a front door, a back door. Perhaps it has a patio door or a side door. Maybe it has a garage door. And you would think of your house and say, there are many different ways to get into my house. But when Jesus speaks about being the door, he is speaking in exclusive terms. When he says, I am the door, he means there is only one. There is no other means of access to the sheepfold. There is no other entrance to having a relationship with God than entering through the door, which is Jesus Christ. And it is imperative that you would come by way of the door. Now, Jesus, in this context, was demonstrating in the first several verses by telling a parable that he is the door to the sheep, and he has proven that he is the door to the sheep by fulfilling many prophecies. Jesus came in the way that God had prescribed. Jesus came fulfilling the Old Testament predictions And Jesus is known to us as the shepherd of the sheep because he had come and established himself in the right way. I want to assure you this morning that if you will take the time to study the Jesus of the Bible, you'll find that he is the eternal God who became flesh and came to this world for the purpose of seeking and saving that which was lost. You'll find in the Bible that the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection from the dead is the only means for you to be reconciled to God because of your sin. There is no other door by which you may enter into relationship with God than Jesus Christ. It is imperative to enter in at the door. And you might this morning be saying, now, pastor, why are you laboring at this point? Don't you think that we know this? We're Christians. We go to church. 
we believe in Jesus, we know how important it is to enter in at the door. Well, I trust that you do, but I want to urge you this morning to consider whether, in fact, you have entered in at the door, whether you have come by way of Jesus. And you must understand this morning that the primary thing that keeps people from entering by way of the door is the fact that to do so requires a measure of humility and submission to enter in at that door. When my kids are sometimes messing with each other, one of them will get one of the other ones outside and then lock the door. And then their brother or sister will come and they'll say, let me in. And they'll say, say please. (laughs) Now, it is so demeaning to have to say please when you feel like you deserve to be in. And I've watched my kids come to a standstill over that. And, you know, to be honest with you, it seems like such an easy thing. You want to come in the house, just say, please open the door. But it's not so easy to say those words when you're upset at the person on the other side of the door and you think that they should just open the door. I'm going to tell mama and papa on you. You better open the door. I'm going to beat on this door until I get a response. Anything but say please. Now, please tell me this has only happened at my house. (laughs) Or are some of you familiar with this scenario? You see, there's many people who because of the fact that it requires humility and submission to enter in at the door, which is Jesus, they will do almost anything to find any other way to try to enter the fold. This morning, if you want to be a part of the fold of God, if you want to be one of his sheep and be under his care, and have the promises that come to those who can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, then you'll need to come in humility and submission, obeying the gospel. You'll need to obey the gospel in repentance and faith in order to enter in at the door. It is imperative that you enter in at the door. We're going to touch on this more a little later, but I want to say this before we move on. So much of man's religion today is focused on finding any other way to enter the fold besides coming through the door. Religion is focused on how can we get men to heaven without Jesus? How can we go around the door and climb in some other way. It is imperative that you would enter in at the door. But the second lesson we learn in John chapter 10 is that there are benefits to those who enter in at the door. Coming in the right way gives benefits. Just like we understand that if you were to sneak into a store after hours through one of the back windows, that could put you in a questionable light. That could cause some problems for you. But there would be no problem at all if you walked through the front door of that store at 
the time that they are open and went in there to do business with that place, with that establishment of business. You understand that when you come the right way, there are benefits. There's nothing to fear. What are the benefits of entering into the fold of God by way of the door, which is Jesus? Well, Jesus says it plainly in verse 9, by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. So the first benefit is that if you enter in at the door, you will be saved. Now, every one of us needs to be saved. And the word saved means to be rescued, to be rescued from the consequences of our sin. These are consequences that we justly deserve because we are rebels against God and we have broken his law and we've accrued quite a balance that we owe to God. We can't pay that balance on our own, but Jesus has made a payment for us whereby we may be redeemed. And if we come in by the door, God says we can be saved. Saved not just from the consequences of our sin, but also saved from the power of our sin. And one day saved from the presence of sin and establishing a real relationship with the God of heaven. What a joy to know that if you come by way of the door, you will be saved. Now, In the context of John 10, Jesus is warning that there are those who are trying to come in by another way and are trying to point other people to different places where they can come into the flock. Who are these people? And what is it that they are up to? Well, Jesus calls them thieves and robbers. They are spiritual thieves and robbers. And they're trying to point out there's a different way to God. There's a different way to have a relationship with God. There's a different way to be saved. But they're liars. And if you follow their advice, you'll lose your opportunity at salvation because it will cause you to not come by way of the door. Now, God says that if you come by way of the door, you'll be saved. But this is often a sticking point for many people. They don't understand that they need to be saved by the hand of God. They just don't see their need. They don't understand that they have a serious sin problem. Let me clarify for you this morning that you don't and you didn't need to be saved from some bad things that were happening to you. You don't just need to be saved from some bad circumstances that are going on in your life. No, that's not the idea of salvation. What you need to be saved from is yourself. You see, the problem that you have is that you're a sinner. It's the same problem that I have, that everyone in this room has. Sin dominates our life. And that seems like the best way for us to live. But that sets us at enmity with God. And we need to be rescued from our sin. We need to be rescued from our rebel heart. We need to be rescued from our tendency to do our own thing and go our own way. We need to be made new creatures in Christ Jesus. 
the joyous news that I can proclaim to you this morning is that if you come by way of the door, you will be saved. You'll be rescued by the strong hand of God from your sin and the consequences of that sin. Not only will you be saved, but also Jesus says in verse 9, you'll go in and out and find pasture. And what that means is not only will you be saved, but you will be secured. You see, when sheep can comfortably go in and out of the sheep coat and find pasture, it means that they are at rest, that they are secure, that they are in a safe place and they know it. You see, what Jesus is communicating is that when you come in by the door, God is going to care for your needs and you'll know that you are secure from harm. Do you know this morning that Jesus is able to provide you and I with perfect security. And once you've entered in at the door, there's never any danger of you being snatched away from that sheepfold. There's no danger of you ever losing your salvation. There's no danger of you ever be taken away from the shepherd because you are safe and secure in that place of safety because you've come in by the door. You've come the way that God has said that you must come. Many people are insecure today. They're worried about whether or not they're saved. They're always questioning whether, in fact, they've done enough for God to accept them. And I believe that many times the reason is because they have not come by way of the door. When you come by way of the door, you're in a safe place. You're secure. You can go in and out and find pasture because you're safe in the presence of Jesus. When Jesus secures the door, you know it's safe. I remember many years ago when one of my children was quite young and they were afraid that the doors weren't locked. And there were some things that contributed to that. But for a long time... Every night, I would have to take this child by the hand, and we would go to every door that entered into our house, and they would have to check that door and make sure that it was locked. Let's go check this other door. Let's make sure that everything is secure, and then they could go to bed. And you say, now, why did you do that? Because I wanted to sleep. (laughs) Because if we didn't do that, Then they would lay in their bed and just cry and cry and cry. What is wrong? Are the doors locked? Yes, I checked them myself. Are you sure they're locked? I finally said, you know, let's just go around and check it for a while. So we did that. It seems like we did that for several months. Every night we'd have to check the door and know. And, you know, I wanted my child to trust me just to know that I had locked the door and everything was safe, but they needed to go and try it for themselves And then after a while, you know, that fear went away. And they started to understand, you know, Papa takes care of the house. He makes sure the door is locked. He makes sure the house is secure. He's going to make sure that things are safe. And then they were able to sleep again. And thank the Lord, we stopped checking the doors every night to make sure. You know, when Jesus is at the door, you're safe. When he's the door and you've come by the door, you're safe. 
You need not fear that you might lose your salvation or that you might be stolen away by the enemy. You need not be concerned that somehow you're going to be robbed of eternal life. You're safe in his presence. You've been saved and you're secure in him. And this is what it means to come by way of the door. Jesus also said in verse 10 that if you come by way of the door, you'll have life more abundantly And this is really building on that idea of finding the pasture. Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And I find so many people today are looking for life. They're looking for joy and satisfaction and meaning and a a sense that their life really matters. I'm telling you, friend, the place to find that is in the presence of Jesus. He'll give you life. And he'll give that life to you in a super abundant way, overflowing. Jesus is promising to provide us all that we need for life. He's also promising to give us everything that we need to face death in victory. And you can be sure this morning that Jesus will keep his promises. Now notice, it's imperative to enter in at the door. There are benefits to those who enter in at the door. But there is also a third very important lesson that Jesus is teaching when he speaks about the fact that he is the door. And that is this truth. There are thieves and robbers who ignore and avoid the door. Now Jesus is really drawing attention to these thieves and robbers. He's warning those who are around that if you don't come by way of the door, but you think that you have a relationship with God, if you have come some other way, there is a grave spiritual danger that is going on. Today, there are many false teachers who will teach anything that means not having to come in by the door. Anything at all besides teaching you that you must come by the way of Jesus. If they can find a way to teach something that is different than that and find some way to prove it, prove it from the Bible, then they can start their own movement, their own group, and they'll begin teaching those things. Now, many of these false teachers, in fact, most of them talk about Jesus. They say things like, we believe in Jesus too. Oh, we believe in the same Jesus as you do. I just spoke with someone yesterday when we were out on outreach who told us, oh, we believe in the same Jesus that you do. The only problem was, I know what Jesus they're talking about, and it's not the same Jesus that I worship. It's a different Jesus. And I could not agree with her and what she was saying. She certainly is welcome to her opinion, but she was teaching about another Jesus, And this is very common in the world today, that people will, through religion, teach about another Jesus and then insist that they believe in the same Jesus as you do. You say, now, pastor, what are you talking about? Well, for instance, there are many religions today that teach that Jesus was a good man, but he wasn't God. And they say, we believe in Jesus. We, we love Jesus. We honor Jesus. He was such a good man, such a good example for us. Oh, wait a second. 
I think you're talking about a different Jesus. Because the Jesus that I worship is God in the flesh. There are some today who teach, we believe in Jesus. He's, He's Jesus. He's the one who is a God. He's an angelic being, but he's not fully man. Oh, no, that's not the Jesus that I worship. You see, the Jesus of the Bible, he's fully God and fully man at the same time. They say, well, we believe in a Jesus who had some sins, but he overcame them. He was just like us, but boy, he was strong and victorious and overcame his sins. And we can do the same thing, except that's another Jesus. It's a false Jesus. There are those who say, well, Jesus, we respect Jesus. I could really get behind the teachings of Jesus. He was a teacher of love. He was a teacher about the good things of God. But, oh, no, that Jesus, he never taught that he was the only way to heaven, did he? Oh, no, you're believing in a different Jesus. Now, do you see what I'm saying? There's so many different ideas about who Jesus is. Just because someone uses the name Jesus in what they believe does not believe, does not mean that they believe the same thing that the Bible teaches. You have to ask questions and listen very carefully, especially to what they say about Jesus. By the way, if Jesus is not fully God, then his sacrifice for sin could not be for us. It would have to be for him alone and not for us. It's the fact that he's God makes his sacrifice sufficient to cover all of our sins. But if he wasn't fully man, he would have never been able to make that sacrifice in the first place. It's imperative that he be God and man, and that as God and man, he gave himself for our sins. There's so much about Christology that is important, but when people are speaking about another Jesus, they're actually teaching what the gospel, not the gospel of John, but the epistle of John speaks about as the spirit of antichrist. Even though they use the name of Jesus, they're teaching about someone different. I think we all understand this. Just because Someone speaks about the name of Jesus does not mean that they believe and understand the Jesus of the Bible. This is very understandable. If, for instance, you ran into someone one of these days whose name was Roland Hammett, and that person was 80 years old, had never been married, grew up in Germany, then you would say, Hmm. Now, I know someone else named Roland Hammett, but this is clearly not the same one that I know. You know what I'm saying? Just because there's a name. In fact, I'm quite certain there's probably other people in the world who have my name, but they are a different person than I am. And I am a different person than they are. So beware of people who say, I believe in Jesus You have to ask some clarifying questions and understand what does it mean to believe in Jesus and, oh, what Jesus is it that you're believing in? So notice there are false 
prophets, teachers, who, who Jesus says are thieves and robbers. They teach about another Jesus, and they try to insist that they believe in the same one as you do. Then, because they believe in a different Jesus, you understand that the Jesus they believe in can't actually save them from their sins. So they have to come up with an alternate way of salvation. And that alternate way of salvation will almost always circle around doing the good deeds of the law. Being somehow devout and following with all of your heart the good teachings of the scripture. And as long as you try as hard as you can, then surely God will accept you. Instead of teaching and knowing that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law for us who could never please God by the works of the law, we are already condemned. Instead, they teach, oh no, if you try harder, if you just do a little more, if you give a little more money to our organization, if you just get out and be more devout in your religion, surely God will see it. And he'll honor your sacrifice and you can come into the fold. You don't have to come by the door. You can come some other way. Now in doing this, these false teachers set up an endless array of hurdles for people to jump through, always hoping that it'll be enough to please God. And I've talked to many individuals who are trapped in these dead-end religious systems And when you ask them, do you know that you will be accepted by God when you stand before him at the time of your death? Their answer inevitably is, well, I hope so. I'm doing the best I can. Surely God will see my heart. And you know, my heart breaks for those people because they are sincere and they want to please God but they're trying desperately to please God by coming in some other way that is not the door. And in doing so, they have turned aside from the only way of salvation that has ever been ordained by God, and they're refusing to come in by the door. If some salesman crawled in your bedroom window and started talking to you about something that they wanted to sell, would you say, oh, it's okay. It's pretty normal for people to crawl in my window. No, you'd probably call the police and say, get this person out of here. The least they could have done as a decent human being is come to the front door and ask to be let in instead of crawling in the window. Do you really think that God is going to let you into his fold? If you reject the means of salvation that he has provided and you go about to establish your own righteousness and prove to God that you ought to be acceptable, do you think that he's going to be strong-armed into letting you into his fold? I think not. If you reject Christ, you reject the only way of salvation. These false teachers will also think that being born into a Christian family is good enough. They'll think, now why would I need Jesus for salvation? 
I've always loved Jesus. If you think that you have always loved Jesus and have never needed to be saved, you have a major problem. And that major problem is that you have never seen yourself as God sees you. You have never understood the sin that is in your heart. There is not a one of us that has always loved Jesus. You might have grown up in a Christian home singing Sunday school songs and learning where verses are in the Bible and listening to thousands of messages, but that doesn't make you right with God. If you've never come by way of Jesus, then you're not a part of the flock. You say, but I know everybody who's in the flock. I'm on a first name basis with them. I can talk intelligently about all the things that they discuss. That still does not give you access to relationship with God. If you've never come by way of Jesus, then you are not a part of the flock. You are not saved. Then there are people who will say, having Jesus is good, but there's a few other things that you need to do too. I mean, it's a good thing for you to believe in Jesus, but listen, if you really want to be saved, let me share with you the half dozen other things that you also need to do in order to be right with God and secure in your heavenly home. They'll say things like, you know, having Jesus is good, but have you spoken in tongues? Having Jesus is good, but have you been baptized? Now, having Jesus is good, but are you a member of the church? Now, I'm not suggesting that you should ignore steps of Christian growth, but steps of Christian growth have nothing to do with whether you're saved or not. If you were to die having entered in at the door and not having been scripturally baptized, you're still saved, you're still secure, you're still going to be in the presence of the Lord. There was a guy like that, you know. We don't know his name. He was a thief that was on the cross next to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. He never had a chance to be baptized because he died before he ever got off that cross. But I'm quite certain today he's in heaven and we're going to meet him one of these days. So if people are teaching, it's good to have Jesus, but let me give you a few other things that you need in order to be all the way saved. There's something wrong with that. Jesus said, I am the door. This morning, watch out for those who are teaching you to avoid the door. Watch out for the thieves and robbers because they'll steer you away from Jesus. Learn to listen. And ask questions about Jesus. You'll find out the true spiritual nature of the person that's talking. You'll find out that what they believe is something different than the Bible. And that will give you some discernment and some wisdom. Now this morning, it's a very simple truth. Jesus said, I am the door. The church is not the door. The sacraments are not the door. Baptism is not the door. Being a part of a Christian family is not the door. Living a moral life is not the door. 
Jesus is the door. It's a very simple question that I want to ask you this morning. Have you come by way of the door? Have you put your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone as the only way that you could have a relationship with God? Have you entered in at the door? Or are you still outside the sheepfold, hoping to get in, longing for a relationship with God, the security that comes by knowing that you have been saved? If you find yourself this morning outside the fold, you say, I want like nothing I've ever wanted before to be in the fold. Can I urge you? Come round to the door. Stop trying to climb in the windows and through the roof. Come round to the door to Jesus. Humbly kneel before him. Take him as your Lord and Savior. And you'll find out that he freely admits all who come to him, looking to him as the only Savior. This morning, the door is ready to be opened if you'll only come. And if you'll only ask, you'll find that life eternal is waiting for those who enter in at the door.